0: Good morning. So yeah, Zach asked me to share a topic on spiritual warfare. It's a topic I think oftentimes we can fear. Um, Maybe we don't necessarily understand it. Um, I know sometimes before I really understood what the topic was, thought of, well, like casting out demons or demon-possessed people, and it can be scary stuff. But if we are a Christian, we face spiritual warfare daily. Um, so I'm, I have an outline that I kind of borrowed from uh, Rick Rhodes, so not all these thoughts are original with me. But starting out, um, I want to paint a picture in your mind and imagine with me three brothers, a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and a two-year-old. They go outside and they decide they're going to have a snowball fight. The, the two-year-old just sits down in the middle and, and he's, he wants to have fun, he, he wants to make a snowman. The older brother, he starts building a fort, they want to have a snowball fight. So he prepares, he's building his fort, and the middle-aged boy, he, he's trying to build a fort. He, he don't quite have it down. the older brother gets done with his fort, he starts preparing. He he makes snowballs and everything and piles them behind his fort. When they decide they're ready for the snowball fight, the older brother grabs three snowballs, runs out, beams his two brothers, and runs back for safety. While the middle brother, when his older brother came out, he didn't have any snowballs, so he's just trying to grab snow and and throw it at, at him. And the second round, when his older brother comes out, the little brother just runs behind and, and tries to take cover. This story kind of shows um, a picture of spiritual warfare, of different people and how they face warfare. So we have the older brother. He had strategy, he had a plan, and he was victorious, if you can be victorious in a snowball battle. We have the middle brother, where he wasn't prepared, but he realized there was a war going on, and he was mainly spending his time running and hiding. The little brother, he was out to just have fun. He was um, kind of clueless that there was even a war going on. So where do you see yourself in this story? Do you see yourself being victorious? Or do you see yourself spending most of your time running and hiding? Or are we clueless, not even knowing that there's a war going on? Ephesians six twelve says, "For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, and against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places." Um, so we see we are in a warfare. There is a war going on. We are in a battle. that is spiritual, it's, it's not carnal, it's not of flesh. In 2 Corinthians ten three through 6, For though we walk in flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to obedience of Christ, and having in readiness a revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So this first part, I want to just kind of, in a sense, um, define the battle. What, what are we fighting against? So in these verses in Second Corinthians 10 here, in verse 3, we see we are definitely indeed in a war. In verse 4, we, we have weapons. In the latter part of verse 4 there are strongholds that need to be pulled down in verse 5 these strongholds exalt themselves against the knowledge of god and they are against truth verse 5 we need to deal with our thoughts and make sure our way of thinking is obedient in christ or to christ first thessalonians 5:23, and they And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and your soul and body to preserve blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul here addressed three things. Our spirit, our soul, and our body. So we are a spirit. We are a human being. Um, We possess a soul, and we live in a body. So our body... It's going to go back to what it came from. It's going to go back to dust. One day, our body and our spirit will be separated. We need to be prepared for that separation. So with this in mind, that we are a spirit, we possess a soul, and we live in a body, we are more spiritual than physical. When our body dies, our spirit will live on. Ephesians 6, 12 says... For we, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness, of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We see we are in a battle. It's not just a little fun snow, snowball battle. It's, it's a spiritual battle. 2 Timothy 1.7 For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. The number one tool for the enemy is, to use against us is fear. When we walk with God, and when we are right with our brothers and sisters, and we confess our sin, we don't have to have fear. Let's not get this fear mixed with the um, the fear of God. When we have a proper view of the um, the fear of God, we won't have to fear men or our future, etc. Rick asks the question, why do Christians have a hard time fulfilling the Great Commission? Why would it not be Christians' greatest joy to engage themselves to evangelize and further God's kingdom? The Great Commission is to go out and teach all nations and preach the gospel. Why aren't Christians eager to fulfill this? The number one reason is fear. We are afraid of what people may say or what they may do to us. For me personally, the little bit that I evangelize, I've been laughed at and made fun of. Maybe that's, that's probably about the worst. I have never experienced physical harm. So why do we have fear um, to go out and witness for Jesus? I would say it's because, um, it's, well, it's because of a fear we have. And Satan is a deceiver and he wants to use that fear. Because I mean, obviously if we are, um, Witnessing for Christ, he does not like that. If we want to experience spiritual warfare, go out and evangelize and testify for God. The devil will shoot all sorts of fear at us. But Proverbs 29:25 says, The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. So how many times do we not do what we know we should do because of fear. That is spiritual warfare. Those fears are, or how many times do we fear things that never even come to pass? I did a a little bit research, and studies show that between 60 and 90% of what we worry about never even comes to pass. Um, Those fears can keep us from doing right things. They can keep us from enjoying things. Fears can keep people from witnessing. Um, Fear can keep people from confessing their sins, from worshiping God. And fears can keep us from trusting the Lord for our needs or to rely on him. Fear and faith can't coexist. The primary battleground of spiritual warfare is in the mind. As we think, so are we. 2 Corinthians 10.5, casting down imaginations and everything that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to obedience of Christ. The number one assignment of um, the spirits of darkness is to darken the mind. Truth is reality. Truth doesn't need our agreement to stand. Sometimes we put more emphasis on what we believe than what is actually true. Some people might say, I don't believe that or I don't have a conviction for that so I don't need to obey that. But truth is truth. What is true, we need to agree with. And what is true, I need to make sure my convictions are with. Truth does not need our agreement to stand. The truth is that God is the winner he defeated satan and satan is the loser one truth we see in the bible genesis 1 1 god in the beginning god we see god is in control in the beginning we go to the back of the bible revelations twenty two twenty says surely i come quickly so we see god is in control all the way to the end he's in control the whole way through god is always in control and satan is defeated If we trust in God, we don't need to fear Satan because he has already been defeated. John 8, 44, the latter part of the verse says, There is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. For he is a liar and the father of it. We wonder how how people can go out and kill innocent people and then kill themselves. And... You wonder, doesn't man have a desire to live? The reason for that is the darkening of the mind. Satan wants to... Um, that's that's his number one assignment, is to, to darken people's minds. Satan does not have the attributes of God. Sometimes we can kind of get this mixed up, and um, especially when we're feeling defeated, we think Satan is just as powerful as God almost sometimes we feel, but that is not true. Things to know about Satan. He is not omniscient. He is not all-knowing. Satan does not know our thoughts, but he does observe man. He's been observing man for as long as the earth has been. God is only all-knowing. Satan is not omnipotent. He is not all-powerful. Satan is not omnipresent. He is not everywhere. And Satan Satan can say stuff to us to tempt us, but he does not know our thoughts. Sin is an agreement with Satan. When we have a startling thought, we need to ask, who said it? Would God say that? Satan is deception. If God said it, we need to believe it. Through Jesus, we have life and freedom. Satan brings death and bondage. The primary issue of spiritual warfare is obedience. 1 Peter 5, 8, and 9. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom whom resist steadfast in faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Spiritual warfare is making sure your heart and mind are agreeing with Christ. If we are believing in Jesus Christ, you will face warfare. It doesn't mean we need to walk around casting out demons, but it does mean that we need to know the truth and walk in truth. The most powerful thing we could do is to believe and agree with God. James 4, 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. To be submissive and humble is against the way of the devil. The world tells us to lift ourselves up. Satan wants to devour us. And the way he will do that is to deceive us. So we must guard our minds. Um, Remember when um, Satan comes to God about Job? God asked him where he was, and he's, he's like, Oh, I was just like roaming the earth seeking who I may devour. So we see here, Satan is out to, to get us. When we believe lies, we are submitting to Satan. Um, let's say there is a father that tells his child continuously that they are no good, you're never going to amount to anything. That's a lie. The father has sinned. The child hasn't sinned in that situation. But in that situation, the child must choose what he's going to believe. We have a choice to choose what we believe. When we choose to believe a lie, we are agreeing and submitting to Satan. The way um, to get, replace that lie, we must replace that with truth. When we are honest, it leads us to repentance, and God gets the glory. When we worry about things that God said he would do, what does our worry say to God? So, just kind of a little bit of review of defining the battle. The number one tool of the enemy is fear. He wants to use fear to keep us from doing things for God. The primary battle in spiritual warfare is fault in our mind. The primary assignment of the devil is to darken the mind, and the primary issue of spiritual warfare is obedience." So we might feel feel helpless, but we have spiritual armor. If we live in fear, we are living as if we are helpless, as if the devil can throw all kinds of things at us and we can't do anything about it. For every physical and spiritual battle we face, we need to be spiritually prepared because we are spiritual beings. Um, even if it may seem more of a physical battle than a spiritual battle, it will still, that battle will still be affected how spiritually prepared we are. Ephesians 6, 10 through 17. When, when we are spiritually prepared, we don't need to discern between physical and spiritual battles. So if our vehicle breaks down, that's a physical battle problem um we we can't fall though in the ditch and try and say well everything is spiritual problem or a spiritual issue and we can't go the other way and say everything is a physical issue in verse 10 it starts out finally so it's saying from from now on until the end of the earth, this battle is going to continue. There's there's no um, timeouts. There's there's not breaks. But when when we think we have a break, that's when Satan can get us. Verse 11, put on the whole armor, gives us a sense of urgency to stand up against the wiles of the devil. And verse 12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, power of rulers of darkness, spiritual weakness, in high places. So it's, we see here, it's a, it's a spiritual battle. Satan loves only himself. He is selfish. So six pieces of defensive armor. So these are armor that we can defend. It's not like we're going to gain ground with these, but we're not going to lose ground. We're not going to let Satan take, take us over. The belt of truth. The belt it, of truth, it kind of holds everything together. So that comes first. We must know the truth because there are false teachers out there and Satan deceives us, so we need to know truth. The breastplate of righteousness protects our heart and our vitals. Apart from what Jesus did for us, we can't be righteous. Without it, we are just like the enemy. Only through Jesus, we can be righteous. Feed shot with the gospel of peace, preparation, readiness, The gospel of peace is a heart condition, a readiness and willingness to evangelize for Christ. The shield of faith. Faith comes from choosing to believe God. When we say we wish we had more faith, we are basically saying we don't really believe God or that God is capable. So we shouldn't say, Oh, I wish I had more faith, because faith comes from believing first, and then faith follows. We need to study God's Word to and believe it. The helmet of salvation, it protects our head. We need our head, head to live. Assurance of salvation reminds us whose side we are on. The end has already been determined, but there are many battles to be fought between the end and now. The helmet also protects us from Satan's accusations. And the last one, the sword of the spirit. And the sword, you might think, well, that's, that's offensive, but the sword is, is a shorter weapon. Um, is oftentimes used at close combat. So you could go either way, but I would say the sword is, is defensive. Um, the word of God, God speaks to us. If we use this weapon, we need to know God's word. After we have all this armor, Paul Paul says, pray always. A warrior needs to be um, in constant um, communication with his general. So we need to be in um, constant prayer with God. We need to be in tune with God to fight these battles. We can help others to fight by praying for them. This armor covers and protects our front. It does not protect our back. So when we turn and run, that's when we get defeated. We need to face our enemy. We need to spend um, time in God's word to be victorious. We must put on the whole armor and spiritually be prepared. And that means we need to put away all our gadgets and distractions um, to be able to spend time in God's Word. Um, We're no different than the people at the Tower of Babel. I was thinking of last Sunday's Sunday school lesson, the Tower of Babel, and just kind of where we are um, in the world today. So Google says they have like a year or two till they think they will have it perfected of... um, come out with technology that will be able to read people's brainwaves and you would be able to see what people are thinking sounds like very scary stuff there's they're trying to um create artificial life in labs um there's a verse in our Sunday school lesson last sunday that said um the people were at a point where they had no limitations and it is scary what we can do without god so i see we are at a place where the people at Tower of Babel were, I don't know how much longer God will allow it to go on. Okay, moving on. Spiritual weapons. So we talked about the armor, um, defensive. So now um, we're talking about spiritual weapons. It's we were we are called as Christians to do more than just live. We. Um, we are called more than just to survive. We are called to thrive. So we are called to fight as well. Second Corinthians ten three to 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of the warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of the strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So we are in a war, and we have weapons. These weapons are not carnal, and they're strongholds. We need to pull them down. Five offensive weapons we can use. Spiritual warfare is not just resisting the devil. First Thessalonians 5.18, Paul is writing to the Christians, so he's, this is for us. This verse does not sound very offensive at all. In everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So the first weapon is rejoicing. For us to rejoice in a bad situation is above us. Um, We need, it takes supernatural power. It takes God's power through us for us to be able to rejoice through hard times. The human tendency is not to rejoice in hard times. Um, Take, So it seems like maybe Paul was a little zealous to say this to um lost my place. To give thanks um in everything. Let's just look at a story of Paul and Silas. So they're on a mission and Lydia just got saved and as they're walking they have this um demon possessed woman that just keeps following them and Um, they turn and they rebuke her. Um, But their masters are angry with them because they were using this demon-possessed woman to um, do powerful things or do many things. And all of a sudden, they lost their power through her. So they get falsely accused and thrown in prison. So that's a bad situation. Paul does not know what's going to come out of this. He does not know the end of this story already. But what do they do? They rejoice in their bad situation. Through their rejoicing, God gets praised, the jailer gets saved, and they get freed. So, the first weapon is rejoicing. The second one is resisting. First Peter 5, 8, and 9. Be sober, be vigilant. Because... Your adversary the devil is as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast in faith knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. So we have the enemy who is out to destroy us. When do we use this weapon of resisting? We should use the weapon of resisting on satanic attacks. It can be hard to determine between... um, bad circumstances and attack from Satan sometimes. But God speaks to us clearly. So if there's confusion, we know it's not of God. It is of the enemy. We have authority over our enemy. James 2 19 says, Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. So we see that um, satan and his demons believe in god and and they fear god as well so matthew 8 28 through 32 it's the story of the the demons at the tombs these demons were so wild that people were scared to travel through this area the demon when jesus comes he comes across the sea uh or comes through there and The demons first initiate um, the conversation with Jesus because they feared him they call out to him and um, they say if you're going to cast us out if you're going to do this do this so they're they're scared they say if you're going to cast us out put us in the herd of swine so we see Jesus was in control of this situation we can have security in God that he is in control James 4, 7 says, Submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. When we submit ourselves to God, the devil has to flee. When I as a child of God say no to God, we go out from the protection of God and open ourselves to the attacks from Satan. Even for children, I believe, if if a child is continuously rebellious, to their parents they are going out from under that protection of their parents I'm not talking about just like disobedience a, a continuous rebellion so when we um, say no to God when we rebel from God we are going out from under his protection and we're opening ourselves for attacks from Satan so we must be careful we must submit ourselves to God when God convicts us there's hope when Satan accuses us, there's no hope. There's always hope in God. The third weapon is love. It is easy to love those who love us, but we as Christians are called to love our enemies. In Second Kings, Elisha shows love to the Syrian army. Um, these in Second Kings is some of my favorite Old Testament Bible stories. So, Elisha and his, um, is in his tent. And the Syrian army came and surrounded him. And his messenger gets up in the morning and sees they're surrounded by the Syrian army, and comes to Elisha and, is, and he says, "We're defeated. Like we, were are surrounded by the Syrian army." Elisha prays that um, God would open his messenger or his servant's eyes, and he sees that there is a host of chariots around them um, that are on their side, and God smotes the Syrian army with blindness. Elisha leads the the blinded army into um, Israel. And so the Syrian army has been like tormenting and been after Israel for quite some time. And as they lead this blinded army into um, the camp of Israel, the king of Israel is there and is like, can I kill him? He's like, can we just do away with them? They're, the one, they're our enemies. They're the ones that have been after us. And Elisha says, no. He said, give them bread and water. Feed them. So they feed the whole army, and then they let them go. And the um, Syrian army never came back um, to, to fight the Israelites. So we see Elisha in that story. He used the weapon of love to um, Turn his enemies away from him. Use the weapon of love when you have problems with people. The fourth, prayer, Ephesians 6.18. Pray always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, and watching thereunto all perseverance and supplication for all saints. We are to be using this weapon at all times. This weapon can be defensive and offensive, When God gives us a burden to pray for someone or a situation, pray for them. The fifth weapon is meditation. Hebrews 4.12 For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God is our weapon. Psalms 1.1-3 as I read these three verses, um, put your name in here and see, see the blessing we can have through meditation in God's word. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, and bringeth forth fruit in his season his leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he do he shall prosper this is um, a picture of those who meditate on the word of God Um, we can see that um, it says his leaf shall not wither and whatsoever he doeth he will prosper And that is for each one of us. That's not just for the pastor or um, the missionary or whoever. That is for each one of us. To meditate on God's word. This challenges me to memorize more scripture. We have to know um, the word. We have to know the truth to be able to fight against the devil. Does anyone have any comments i've been talking a lot (laughs) if not um zach asked me to share a story or something from some of my experiences in mexico the so these are like tools we can use to to fight against the devil, to fight against um, demons and whatnot. Um, I'll just share a quick story of, so in Mexico, I worked with a nine year old boy and he was demon possessed. And at one point I remember four of us guys holding him down and we were still going across the floor. I was just holding his arm with both my hands and I, I couldn't keep it down. Um, but I don't want to glorify in the power of Satan but just like that was real power but in that same situation when we rebuked that demon in the name of Jesus his body would go limp Um, today that boy has freedom from that Um, he still struggles just like us Um, but yeah the power of Satan is very real but we don't have to fear the power of Satan because we need to remember fear comes from Satan. He wants us. When he gets us to fear, he gets a hold of us and he can deceive us. And just just like that um, father telling his child that they're not going to amount to anything, we're making agreement with Satan when we believe a lie. So in conclusion, quick, we are in a battle. The primary battle is fought in our mind. The number one assignment of the of the spirits of darkness is to darken the mind. The primary issue with spiritual warfare is obedience. Our armor is the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, feet shod with gospel of peace, shield of faith, helmet of salvation, and the word of the sword of the spirit. That's our armor. That's um, defensive. And then our weapons are rejoicing, resisting, love prayer, and meditation. Thank you.